Hi there, this is Christian Horner. You've won the Austrian Grand Prix. <laughs> Hi, it's Alex Albon. Hi, I'm Max Verstappen, and you're listening to the Aston Martin Rebel Racing Podcast. Oh, this feels good. <laughs> Hello and welcome to a very special stay-at-home edition of the Talking Ball podcast. While the world is in lockdown in these unprecedented times, and while we all wait for the days when we can go racing again, we want to continue to bring you the features and entertainment we know you love. Coming up, we get the lockdown lowdown from legendary cricketer Ben Stokes. We speak to a truly inspirational ex-rugby pro, Ed Jackson, who has climbed the height of Everest at home on his parents' staircase during lockdown, which would be hard for anyone, but Ed is a recovering quadriplegic after an accident a few years ago. Trust me, you need to hear his chat. But let's start by checking in with the guys you all know and love. We put in a Zoom call between Max Verstappen, Alex Albon and Christian Horner. It's been a while since they've all been together, but here they are. Hi guys. Um, yeah, we're here for the Talking Bull podcast together with uh, Christian and Alex. Um, it's a little bit different than uh, normal, of course, but uh, we're trying to make the best of the situation. So here we are. <laughs> Christian, where's your where's your AirPods? I'm not that modern. I don't have any. <laughs> I'm, I'm going old we'll school here. You up with a pair. They feel a bit like earrings yeah, from far. <laughs> if this Max has got a cap on, I can see your haircut. Things aren't going that well, huh? We've had better days. We've had better hair days. I mean, yeah, I was I'm thinking about doing it. Today. My, my wife's getting carried away, so uh, <laughs> I'm, now. I'm worried about my three. What I'm worried about is that the last time I've seen the clippers in use was for my dog, so I don't know if I'm uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm okay. going to be, be clipped by the same same razor as my as as my dog. I mean, my mum's practicing on my dog at least, so at least it's not at least she's not practicing on me first. Okay, so I've got a question <laughs> okay, for Matt. Yeah. How many? How many e-races have you done now? How many e-sport races have you done now? Uh, so official ones, I think um, four or five. But uh-huh. in the in the meantime, like uh, on the game itself, you can also like try to get your rank higher. So basically like your rating. So that's what you try to do most of the time, because that means the higher rating you have, you end up in like the top split all the time. You've done yeah. more time in the simulator seat than you've done in the race car this year. This year, for sure, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> I prefer to be in the real thing. Do you play? You play every day, Max. Yeah, every day yeah. because yeah. Um, this weekend I have another race, so we have to practice. And uh, it's not—I mean, I'm driving against really, really good guys on the simulator, so I cannot afford to to not be prepared. So I really have to put the hours in to to be competitive <laughs> and maybe have a top twenty. You know that that competitive it is. Oh, very good. So are you guys keeping fit? Yes, yeah. we got the uh, well. I mean, staying at home great. really. Staying at home really yeah, to, to yeah, do the workouts same. as here in, in France and Monaco, they're quite strict on the amount of time you uh, have to, yeah, it can be outside, but mm-hmm. luckily, yeah, I got the stuff at home and then together with my trainer, uh, Brad, I think, um, yeah, it's all working really well. So yeah, all good there. Uh, all good mm-hmm. there. So I've been, I've been training hard. I I'm, I'm in, I'm probably the fittest I've been in 20 years. I can do a two minute plank now. Oh, that's not bad. Wow. We can have a plank over the quarantine. <laughs> yeah. First race, <laughs> we're going to have like a six pack. <laughs> <laughs> it's been okay. I think it's just trying it's trying to keep that motivation up during the during the whole thing because obviously it's yeah. just sitting at home. I got a lot of stuff Jonathan Wheatley the, uh, has organized a lot of gym equipment to be to come to my house. So I've been doing that really. And uh, yeah. I've been having dumbbells and seats and all that kind of thing that he's been giving over so it's been really good have you done any gardening are you, are you looking after your mom's garden yeah some gardening as well i bought a golf net and i've been golfing in the back garden and apart from that that's been about it i've bought inflatable footballs as well and i've lost every single one i've lost about 15 balls into the neighbor's gardens and uh, yeah every once in a while a ball comes back at me and i'm like thank you thank you Sorry. And what have you been doing to keep fit, Max? Yeah. Uh, so I got my uh, like what bike at home. I got like this skier thing. This like it's the like almost the same thing as the rowing effect. But I I prefer this bit where it's like this cross country uh, skiing thing. Um, yeah. And then I just got like dumbbells. I got some weights. I got the bands. I got my my neck harness which I can attach outside. So. Yeah, I, I just do everything inside at the moment. It's good. I mean, I installed a bike in, in the living room and then I just put on the TV and uh, you kill you kill the hours behind that. So it's it's actually 
it's not too bad. Nice one, boys. We've been getting questions from so many fans all over the world with questions for them to answer. We thought it would be perfect to get them to do it on the podcast. So... Over to you guys. Hi, Alex and Alex. I'm Ernestina, and I'm in Italy, so I've been in quarantine for a long time, and I'm running out of ideas of what to do. And I was hoping maybe you guys have any ideas of what to do or what you've been doing during quarantine. And bye. Hope you're all well. Cute. Well, I've been getting my brother to... I mean, if you have a simulator, it, everything's a bit simple. Uh, I've, I've been playing with my brother on the simulator, and I'm guessing that won't be that easy to do in Italy and get, get, a, get a simulator sent to your house. <laughs> but uh we've been we've been spending most of the time outside we've been um in the garden training i've been getting them fit i've been giving them my my racing programs to do and uh we've been doing circuit drills and so yeah that's been pretty much it and cooking a lot of cooking there's been a lot of banana bread and uh blueberry muffins yeah well i mean i'm on my own so um i would recommend just some board games if you're with family i think that's always good i mean i always loved to play monopoly with the family um that's dangerous which also i can, can imagine end it up gets in... aggressive over there yeah, yes, exactly aggressive. i yeah yeah it, the board <laughs> always ends up on the floor towards the end but uh, yeah for me when you're locked up inside and you can't you can't really go outside these kind of things um work the best um watching some series i think i've almost finished netflix at the moment there are not many more series <laughs> left to watch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> completed the whole uh, the whole company. Um, now, what Alex said, of course, I think a bit of uh, workout. That you know, it's, it's always good to keep the movement going. Next question. Hi, team. A question for Alex, Max, and Christian. Given the struggles we've had to get various food items in supermarkets during lockdown, I just wondered if any of you have had to resort to any crazy food combos during quarantine. Yeah, it's been a bit been a bit desperate at times because obviously the, not all the food has been all the time available. So um, I'm not a big fan of vegetables, but I've been eating more vegetables than I've eaten since I was a kid. So uh, I've actually been being pretty pretty healthy because all the all the rubbish stuff isn't available. So I think that helps. Alex, you've been cooking, yeah. right? I've been cooking. I've been making my own my own breads and desserts. So maybe that's not. The opposite of Christian. Maybe I'm going to come back and I'm going to be 85 kilos when I, when I get into the car. There's nothing being too crazy. I'd say the other day I was eating some bread and um, it tasted a bit sour and I was a little bit surprised. And then I checked um, the rest of the bread in the bag and there was a uh, mold on it. <laughs> that was it. That's my story. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I had enough in the house, but then also I, uh, I can order all the food from the the restaurants here like if a few good ones are are open and they are basically delivering so that's what i'm doing next question so my questions for both max and alex and is if you were stuck in an island and you could only have three of the current f1 grid with you which three would you have on there with you and why whoa tough one. drivers well well i would take you alex um i would probably Excellent. take well honestly yeah, you can be the cooking mate. You can uh, get the coconuts and stuff, and uh, I'll make a nice coconut muffin. I would probably take Pierre and uh, Lando, something like that. I'd say I'll I'll take you, Max. I think Kimmy would be a good person to take because he would be very quiet. He won't really get any alone. <laughs> I think he'll just stay stay out of it. And then um, I take George, George, your buddy. I take your buddy, my buddy. Buddy George, yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd have his shirt I think off Kimmy time, would, anyway. would, 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 would hate himself. Yeah, he would be, yeah, of, he would be running around tops off. Kimmy might... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Next question. Hey, Max and Alex, hope you're both well and safe. My question for you is, when we do finally get back racing, what is the one race that you want to make sure is on the calendar? Well, I mean, I mean for me, it's two. Because I think it's Sanford and Spa, because Spa is my favourite track, but of course, Sanford is... Is, is my home Grand Prix now. So, you know, we, I think everyone was really looking forward to, to see that happening. Um, yeah, so I really hope that we can find a date uh, to schedule something in. I'd say I'm looking forward to Zandvoort as a circuit. I think that would be really cool. So I would say the same. Or Vietnam. I think that would be... Uh, just looking at the track, what was done to it, looks really cool. I think it must be a big shame for them. I don't know what's, what's the situation there. I want to ask a little that. As you are Thai, I want to know if 
Max have a chance to go to Thailand, what do you recommend to him to do in Thailand? Thank you. Personally, I'm going to have to take you to, to all the foods. I think, um, how are you with spicy food, actually? I, I, you're not that good with spicy food. Um, not nothing like super spicy. I mean, a little bit, but not 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 crazy. Uh, okay, I'll show you the wonders of Thailand next. Hi guys, this is Marga from the Netherlands. Sometimes I have to sneeze while I'm driving. Then I close my eyes for just a split second. My husband doesn't touch the steering wheel when he sneezes. How do you solve that problem, or do you have tricks that prevent you from sneezing? Bye. <laughs> <laughs> what a good, what a question. Wow. I love it. I, I have had it once because I was really sick. That's why. Normally I never like you never I think sneeze in, in a car. But no. I've had it once I think that's um, too much just because I was feeling sick. I think yeah, like you say, Alex, I think it's the adrenaline or something which is uh, stopping yeah. that. Yeah, true. And plus anyway, we don't need to cover our mouths because we have our helmet. Could you imagine we sneeze <laughs> and we Next question. Hi, Max. Um, I'm doing it in English. Uh, me and my friend really, really want to know um, if there's one thing that you can do, no matter how much you practice it. So we're very curious to find out. Thank you. No matter how much I practice on tennis or golf, I'm just so bad. Like use, I'm just useless. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I enjoy playing tennis to a certain point where... I just, I mean, I want to learn it, but I just can't. I, I'm so bad. It's, it's horrible. I'll teach you, Max. I don't have the patience. <laughs> I think it's not happening. <laughs> okay, next. Hi, Max and Alex. If someone says think of an F1 car, do you think of the modern ones that you're driving now, or do you think of an earlier era from when you were watching as a child? Because personally, I think of the, the modern 1819 cars of the Halo, but my friend thought of the, the 90s cars when he was growing up. I think of, I think, I think because we're in it, we always think of what what's modern, what what we're driving now. So I would say, yeah. Then even to me, when I think about it, it's this year's car. Yeah, I don't know why, but always the latest car I find the most beautiful one. So that's why I always yeah. like to think about the the latest one. So I think early nineties yeah. cars when they went full active, ground effects, blah blah blah. That would have been some of Adrian's early cars, like that Williams, you know, the one that Nigel Mansell yeah. uh, drove. That. Pretty, that would be pretty awesome to I think to drive. Yeah, yeah. Because I think it's it just feels so different to what we have right now that it's very interesting also to to experience something like that. Next okay. question. Next question. Hello, Max and Alex. I hope you are both well. I'm just wondering what is one food you are indulging in now more that you aren't usually able to indulge in due to formal arm restrictions. Ta and thank you very much for answering my question. Well, McDonald's are you doing anything uh, naughty that you shouldn't be doing? Nah, because if I start eating what I uh, would eat normally, let's say outside of like my Formula One season, then uh, I end up being like eighty kilos or something. So I uh, I can't I can't do that. <laughs> I've been pretty good. I think it's like you, Christian, just because there's nothing else really to do. I try to stay as healthy as you possible. Quite, kind of enjoy it as well, making your own food all the time and and doing your own thing i mean yeah i uh, i'm on pretty much the same food i would normally eat as well throughout the formula one season so not not much uh, because you have to stay ready isn't it like it can I, yeah you, we we're gonna start again in july now so hopefully <laughs> so um yeah you just need to be like ready to go mm -hmm. so i was teaching my daughter how to ride her bicycle without the stabilizers <laughs> at the weekend which is like a fairly major thing i mean you guys you, it's not so long ago since you took the stabilizers off. Um, Only last have you week. Got any, <laughs> have you got any tips that <laughs> I, I can pass on? To her? I've broken a collarbone and my leg three times riding a bike. So I'm going to leave this question okay. to Max. Three <laughs> times your leg? I've broken my leg once, my ankle twice. I've broken my wrist once. And these are all on like t uh, on scooters or bikes. Always on two Mate. wheels. It's terrible. I was ter in, in like a period of three years of my life, I broke maybe seven bones in my body. It was really wow. bad. Impressive. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're not, we're not so, going to get any advice of you then. I just wanted to be rusty that badly. I think it, it, it's all about how you're sitting on the bicycle as well. Like you, you, 
try to be as straight as possible. Like I think when you are when you're having the stabilizers, they you know they, they, it can't fall over, right? So they are like leaning sometimes yeah, a bit to the lean. left or like to the right. So I think first you're of all right. they have to like try to sit still in the middle. Yeah, at yeah. least that's also with my little sister at the moment. Like my dad is teaching her to ride the bike the bicycle as well, and she's like always <laughs> leaning too much to one side. So my dad is like trying to put her in the middle. That's exactly what she's doing. She's always leaning to me and I'm always pushing the other way. Yeah. I must have run about four miles behind her now. <laughs> so it's a good workout to you, Christian. It's a hell of a workout. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's just all about the, the stabilizing, just staying like straight up and on the bicycle initially to try and like, yeah, try to teach that. I, I think, uh, yeah. Well, we got to the stage where I said, I'll ride the bike and you push. <laughs> with, the, with or without the stabilizers for you christian <laughs> i'm probably better with the stabilizers <laughs> next question hi this is the question for both max and alex it seriously needs to be answered does pineapple belong on pizza I'm praying you guys say no it does not belong on pizza i always say the pineapple I have cheese, ham, and mushrooms. I think, why the hell did they stick a pineapple on there? It's got nothing to do with the yeah. pizza. <laughs> I always take it off, yeah. It should, be, it should be with the ice cream. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a no pineapple guy as well. I'm, I'm with you guys. I think that's literally yeah. me, yeah. the first time. Are you a gherkin at McDonald's? I mean, I don't have a McDonald's very often. But in the cheeseburger, are you a gherkin in or out kind of guy? In. In. In, in as well. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. out? Out. You're out? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I love it. I love I love that yeah. place. Oh my god. Okay, so would it be safe to have a second race on the same circuit but in the opposite direction? Depends so some maybe hmm. yes. We we looked at this in Austria, but the amount of changes you'd have to make from a safety point of view because all the barriers are effectively in the wrong places. I mean, technically you could do it, but hmm. from a safety point of view it'd be a massive amount of work to put the gravel traps in okay. the right places and the and so on, but <clears throat> It would probably be one of the more mm -hmm. straightforward ones. Can you imagine yeah, doing yeah. a rouge the other way? I was thinking like... I've done it. Spa, I've done it the other way around. Smart backwards sounds yeah. amazing. I've done... Uh, when was that? 2015, I guess. 15 or 16, I've done it the other way around. Because I had to do the right. show run. And uh, they didn't let me do the whole track. So I had to do uh, the last bus stop. Then turn one, up a rouge to the ca uh, camel straight. And then I had to turn around. And I had to do that a few times. And uh, it's pretty scary the other way around because also the barriers are open. Yeah. You must be blind. You know, as well. so yeah, it's super blind. Like you, you arrive and suddenly, like it just goes down left. Uh, if if we could, if we could have backwards tracks, I think it would be quite fun. If 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 um if we can't do as many tracks as we want to, but as as you said, I guess it's too much hard work. Okay, next question: Are you all excited the first race could be held at the Red Bull Ring? I am. Very much looking uh, from the Me last too, two yeah. uh, race results there. So, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Alex? Just good to get ready. Yes, yes, yes. That's, I'm ready. Any race is good to start. Any circuit. That's the wrong answer, Alex. That's the but wrong Of course, the Red Bull Ring is the preferable circuit. <laughs> Very good. Right, next question. Is this the longest break that you've ever had from racing? Yeah. yeah. I think it is, yeah. It would have been. Um, I think since I started go-karting before, yeah. I never had such a long break. For me, it's the longest so break I've had, had since 1986. Wow. wow. Yeah. Even more professional. It is really strange. Um, you, you just want to get going again. And I think now we've got a date that hopefully will be fixed. Uh, it allows at least you to start focusing on that. And for people like the mechanics and the, the pit stop crew, and it's a long time for them to mm. be you know, out of the out of the game. So we're doing a lot of online training with them, you know, fitness, just trying to keep them sharp. I joined a, a group session yesterday where there's about 40 of the team all doing squat thrusts and jumping. And it's, it's quite funny, actually. <laughs> well, we'll have to join in one time. Just do a surprise, a surprise join yeah, in yeah. Zoom. Exactly. <laughs> right. So the next question, Alex, your little brother, Luca, is super fast online. Has Dr. Marco tried signing him yeah. to be in the junior team yet? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like um, he's going to replace me soon. So uh, <laughs> got to look over my right shoulder. 
get ready for Dr. Marco to, to there's only one album allowed in the, in the, in the, in the Red Bull team. He's quick. I don't know if you've seen him. I've been trying to get him to do the virtual GP race, but he's, a uh, he's, 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 he's super fast. Um, How old and is he, he doesn't dr- even drive that much. He's, uh, he's 17 now. So he's a bit too, he's past the, uh, he's past yeah, the time. He's, he's not, he's, get, he's not, he's, he's getting not up young there. enough. Yeah. 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 How old were you when you went into F1? When I started 17. So he, he should be in F1 by now. So yeah. Well, <laughs> time is gone. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's the thing. Um, I think even if you start when you're like 12, 13, I think it's still possible, but you still miss yeah, just the like the basic experience initially, which I think is so important to be at the end of the day successful. You know what you learn from when you are like yeah. five, six yeah. years on, like almost till like yeah, you are twelve. That that first few years, I think those first few years are very important. And uh, yeah, starting at twelve, yeah. thirteen already is quite you know that would be really late. So and the big difference now compared to where Max came in is that there's now the the point system. So, you know, you yeah. got to collect all these points and mm. categories. So it's oh, impossible yeah, yeah. to do what you did now, where you did one year in car racing and then boom, straight into Formula One. Yeah, there you go. Next question is for me. How often do you mow your lawn? <laughs> well, I've got like, I've got like two jobs now. So I'm, I'm assistant gardener. I, mow, I, I'm, I mowed the grass last Friday afternoon and I walked behind the mower 41 kilometers. So forty-one, uh, forty-one kilometers. I walk behind the mower. That's pretty, pretty impressive, huh? That's, that's, that's I got a very good effort. You know, all these things that measures how you sleep, if you're ready, if you need to eat, if you need something else. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And uh, anyway, so I had a look at the end of it. It took me six hours, uh, and I'd done forty-one kilometers equivalent. That's, uh, wow. that's a great. So I could have almost gone in a straight line with the mower. Time, um, from, still living at home. I could have gone with yeah. the mower from my house to your house, Alex. <laughs> walking by. I'm just going to see a guy with a lawnmower walking, knocking on my door. Yeah, it'll be me. You need that fastest uh, mower, you know, the, the Honda one, which goes like, how fast does it go? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, really? No. Yeah, no. yeah, they set a record with it. I need to speak to Tanabe. My mower needs a tune-up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Next question. Last question, even though it doesn't say that. Uh, <laughs> were, were you impressed to hear that your mechanics and engineers were working on making a new ventilator for, for the NHS? Yeah, massively. Um, I, to be honest, I haven't heard too much from since you guys announced it how it's been going, but obviously seeing all the hard work and, and everything has been amazing. But what I yeah. what I'd do is to explain it to you. So we were, uh, a, well, first of all, we offered to the NHS to say, look, we've got these Formula One facilities and, and uh, know-how, can you make use of it? And yeah. they came back and said, well, we've got this ventilator um, that's been uh, you know, uh, designed as an emergency ventilator. And they said, could you turn it into something that it's fully functional. So it was a basic design. We had over 200 mm-hmm. volunteers um, step forward. And in, within two weeks, they completely redesigned it. Um, and there were, also we had Renault as well. They had a whole bunch of volunteers as well. So we said, well, you may as well come and work in our factory. And uh, they had a fully commissioned um, ventilator. Um, and thankfully, they said that they didn't need to progress any further because it felt like they got the situation with the ventilators under control. But it just showed what Formula mm-hmm. One and the engineering you know, skills that we have is capable of, which something that would usually take two and a half years took two and a half weeks. Yeah, wow. that's impressive. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. amazing that so many people you know, step up and, and volunteer you know, to do that. I think it just shows that uh, everybody wants to help out and, and that a racing community can also just help the general community. So yeah, it was really impressive to see. Hey guys. Uh, so we just finished up our podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, with our new guest, uh, Christian, not sure if you're going to be joining us in any more of them, <laughs> but, uh, hope you enjoyed it and, uh, and have something fun to listen to. See you guys. Stay safe. Keep fit.
And good to see you guys. Will do. Yes, will do. Yeah, we'll do you too. We'll stay in touch. That's very special, chaps. Hopefully, you'll get to see each other in person again soon. As you heard then, while we can't race on the track, many of the guys have been turning to virtual Grand Prix. But it's not just the Formula One drivers getting involved. Legendary England cricketer Ben Stokes has been competing for us too. I put in a call this week to see how he's finding the lockdown period. Hey, Ben. How's lockdown been going for you? Have you been breaking any banana bread? <laughs> yeah, it's been going all right, actually. Um, you know, obviously, it's uh, it's different for us and different for everybody all around the world. Um, but yeah, we've just been trying to cope. Um, you know, it's not all been, um, you know, sunshine and, and roses, as people might say. You know, it's had its challenges and stuff like that. But yeah, as a family, we've just been trying to, to get through it as well as we can. Let's have a chat about the um, virtual Dutch Grand Prix, which took place yesterday. You were once again representing Aston Martin Rebel Racing alongside Alex Albon. We are delighted to say that Alex won the race with an incredible virtual drive, a proper battle between him and Charles Leclerc at the front of the race for most of it. This was your second time taking part. P17 on the grid when you started, uh, finished 13th, which is an incredible result. How did you find it? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I absolutely loved it. Um, I think I managed to learn from my mistakes from the first, um, my first effort. And this time I actually did a lot of practice in like uh, Grand Prix with like other AI cars. Whereas last time I was just doing like time trial sprints on the track, thinking that would be the best way to go about it. But then obviously when other cars are on the track, it's, a, it's completely different. And I did it with Stuart as well because we, we were linking up together and doing these races together for practice. So, yeah, I put a lot more thought into the practice this time and um, just basically tried to stay on the track and, and not get too overconfident and try and overtake people when I shouldn't, which then um, meant I didn't spin off the track or anything like that. So, I mean, you beat Stuart, which must have been, must have been worth its weight in gold. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously this time um, there was someone who I could actually race against whereas last time I was basically just racing against myself and getting overtaken by the other F1 drivers which was uh it was still fun but obviously it wasn't ideal but this time obviously I had uh, my mate Stuart there who obviously we were battling against and uh, to see who would come in a better position and thankfully I managed to to do it. He was in the Alpha Tori, wasn't he? Has he been in touch um, since the race? Have you guys had a chat about a debrief? <laughs> we both said that we were absolutely exhausted yeah, I bet. You know, all the practice that we did obviously didn't come close to the feelings that we had before the race started. You know, we were both very tense. Uh, I had sweat patches in my armpits, like side of dinner plates after. Uh, and he was the same. You know, even though it's only like virtual and, you know, there's not exactly a, a prize at stake, it was still very nerve wracking. Uh, I was going to say, were you nervous before the race? Because there's, there's a lot of pressure there, even though it's not a real race. There's, there's people watching, there's, there's judgment, there's, uh, there's comp- competitiveness for the teammate as well. Yeah, I think, um, you know, knowing all of that, you know, it was on Sky Sports, there's people going to be commentating on it. Uh, I think that adds, added to the pressure. You know, you still want to give a good account of yourself, even though we had to be realistic and understand that we're going to be nowhere near the the F1 guys. But yeah, we still obviously wanted to do ourselves proud, which I think we both managed to do. And I was quite happy with the result in the end, but me and Stuart both absolutely loved it. And it was a great thing to be a part of. It's crazy how realistic it is to watch. I, I, when I was watching, it's, it's, it's almost like you're watching a Grand Prix. I mean, it seems stupid to say, but it's almost like you're watching a Grand Prix. You forget so quickly that it's a, that it's a game and that it's virtual. I saw you've got the proper gaming seat set up um, and the, 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 the steering wheel as well. How quickly as a driver do you kind of slip into the mode of being in a, in a proper Formula One car? The first time I got in it, I was absolutely useless. Uh, I had no understanding of sort of, you know, like when to break or um, the, the angles to attack corners or anything like that. It didn't take me too long, but, you know, the more and more I practiced, um, the better I got. And obviously, you know, <laughs> I've spent more time in the simulator than I have in an actual car, but when I <laughs> go out and get like shopping and stuff, getting into the car it, it almost felt like you'd gone from a go-karting track into a car again and it just feels completely different you're obviously used to high pressure environments i mean the the the, the mental side of being a formula one driver probably sometimes people forget about there's a, a huge amount of skill involved in being a driver were you able to transfer any of your um, your high pressure moments and the knowledge from that into the race yesterday i think the one thing that you could probably say that come together is timing and uh, coordination because there's a few things that you have to do whilst driving 
whilst not looking at something. Um, like because there's the fuel, um, the fuel levels that you obviously want to change throughout the race. You know, like get into the high mix when you're on the straights and then put it back down. And you obviously have to do that all whilst not looking at the steering wheel. So still concentrating on where you're driving whilst doing all these little manoeuvres on the steering wheels. Actually, it takes a while to get used to, but then once you've done it enough, you, you sort of get it. But then bearing in mind, I was driving automatic. Those guys had to use all the paddle shifts. So they've got all of that going on whilst driving at 200 miles an hour. And obviously in the back of their head, they've got you know the thought of crashing and what could happen to them. So yeah, after doing a few of these races, you know, they've, got so much respect for what these guys do um, day in, day out. Bearing in mind that, you know, normal circumstances, they're doing that for real, not sat in a car seat in a simulator. Yeah. So you've got a proper window into what it's like to be a Formula One driver now. Were you um, responsible for your race tactics or did you get some help there? Uh, so initially, the first race I did in Melbourne, I had no idea what was going on. I had a situation on like what the best tactics are to do and stuff like that. Um, Alex gave me a few tips about that. Me and Stu, we were practicing, as I say, for about 10 days before the race, and we were going through all types of tactics about what tyres to start on, when to change. And the tactic uh, we went for was uh, we both started on medium tyres because we knew we wouldn't be in the top 10. Um, So then we could choose what tyres to start on. So we both started on mediums, pitted at 15, and then finished on softs. Are you hungry for more now? Uh, I mean, I've absolutely, I've really, really enjoyed doing it. And I think it's the build-up period as well, you know, all the hours that you put in practicing to then actually come to the race. It is quite similar, you know, like in cricket, we train, we net for that game situation. And obviously the practice that we put in was for, you know, a, a race. So it was similar, obviously, you know, completely different sports, but it still had that competitiveness and... We both have the desire to, to be as good as we possibly could on the race day. So, you know, you could say that the, the sportsman and the both of us did come out um, in build-up for the F1 race. I was going to say, I mean, someone who likes to do a bit of sport myself, I'm really missing being able to be competitive with people. This must be a nice little substitute for that while you, while you can't be on a cricket pitch. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, as, as athletes, you know, you know, not just in you know, my sport, in all of the sports, everybody's missing that at the moment. You know, you miss that competitive side of things, you know, trying to be better than someone or trying to be better than trying to win a game. You know, this was a little bit, you got that feeling back a little bit um, whilst we were in that race. Could this be a, a second career after cricket, maybe, motorsport? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I mean, funny enough, talking about lockdown, I've literally just finished uh, removing all my wife's hair extensions. So, <laughs> you know, I've got all sorts of, um, you know, I can... You know, be an F1 driver, I can be a hairdresser, I can be a barber. You know, this lockdown is... Um, You're multi-skilled now. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. Let's have a quick chat about some of these challenges that you've been taking part in over the last few weeks because your Instagram is full of some of this competitiveness showing itself. Um, I wanted to talk quickly about the Bring Sally Up Challenge because I've, I've done that once and I've not been back for more. You've been doing this every week and you're going head-to-head with Paul Collingwood, I think, on this one, aren't you? Who's currently in the lead? Who's got the best time? Well, we initially, so this first started off in South Africa when we were touring there. Um, I was in South Africa, but I wasn't um, in the squad. I was like taking a break, but I stayed out to do some training and stuff. And I think it was like whilst we were batting or something like that, he was doing this thing. And I was like, oh, doing the bring Sally up again. He was like, yeah, I'm just going to try and see how far I can get. Um, and then obviously when lockdown started, there was a lot of people doing sort of challenges for people to do at home. So we both thought, why don't we both do it uh, as a challenge to ourselves and maybe like some other people might want to do it as well. So we said, right, we'll do one every week, try and get our time better and better each week, which we did. And then obviously stop it once we've managed to complete it and, and see how long or see who does it the quickest. And he started off uh, further than me, but he couldn't get above the two minute 30 mark for like three or four weeks, whereas I managed to sort of have little improvements week by week and then I, I eventually finished it the week before him. So yeah, it was, it was one of those things that we looked forward to every Monday but we didn't because it's absolutely brutal. Oh mate, it's horrendous. It's absolutely horrendous, isn't it? So for, for anyone who's listening who doesn't know what this is, you're basically uh, doing a push-up in time with a, a Moby tune and you have to hold the top and the bottom of the push-up in time with the music but you're not allowed to sort of, you, you sort of it's a low plank position at the bottom, isn't it? And that's the killer. Yeah. That's, that's where it really hurts. Yeah. 
I mean, and then obviously there's the, like, it goes bring Sally up, bring Sally down. But then every, like, 40, 50 seconds, there's one of those holds that... Yeah. Um, that was my first barrier to get over was the hold at about two minutes. Um, and I just couldn't do that for, like, I think the first first week I couldn't get past it. But then once you get past the hold, it's then a lot easier to go up and down again. And then you get to get to the next hold. And then it's like, oh, I've got to get up again. <laughs> so you can sort of get yourself by how far you're doing if you can get back up from that hold. But yeah, it's brutal. That's hardcore. Speaking of which, you just casually threw in a half marathon tomorrow, I think. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. It's, um, this, it's always been one of those things that I've always sort of thought about. And it's like, oh, I'll be like nice to be able to say I've done one, but I've just never got around to doing it. My wife's done the Great North Run, as well as uh, one of her best friends, Hannah Gilling. They completed that last year. And obviously lockdown, I just started thinking, oh, well, good opportunity to go out and see if I can do one. But then I thought, well, if I'm going to do it, might as well try and um, raise some funds because I'm sure people will donate by me doing it. And then my wife, Claire, said, oh, have you seen what the guys are doing in their garden? So I went on and checked them out. And I was initially going to do a GoFundMe page for myself, but then thought, well, these guys are doing such a good thing by raising money, not only for the NHS, but also for the Chance to Shine Foundation, which is obviously a massive involvement in cricket. So I thought, well, if I'll do it and I'll give these, I'll hopefully be able to give some exposure to these three guys who are doing um, the marathon in their garden. Uh, so I'm basically doing it to help sort of broadcast what they are doing as well as trying to add to funds, which they've already managed to raise. So you said you haven't run a half marathon before. How far do you reckon you're going to get with this? Is this going to be an easy challenge for you or? I've never been a fan of long distance running. Um, uh-huh. All the training that I do is very, is sort of like short, but at a uh, good pace. Cause that's really relative to cricket. You know, it's all short, sharp bursts of, um, you know, running. There's no real time or, well, there isn't any time in cricket where you will have to require fitness to be able to last, you know, 10 miles, if you know what I mean. Yeah. The furthest I've ever run at once is eight kilometers. So I've got to get another, so what it's is a little it? bit over double that. Like 13, 13 more Ks than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've done absolutely no training for it. Um, I've got no idea how I'm going to do, but um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, once I set my mind to something, I'll do it. Well, good luck with that. Um, I was also very jealous of your garage gym setup. I think the guys at Red Bull might have helped out with that, in fact. Um, obviously, it's pretty easy to sort of keep yourself ticking over in terms of fitness over these last few weeks. What, how have you been able to sort of stay fresh with the bat and ball? Has that been possible? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Red Bull were brilliant in, um, you know, not only just sorting me out, but, you know, most of the athletes in the UK with um, gym equipment that they needed. And, you know, I've got quite a big garage, so I could get quite a lot in. So I've managed to get like a power rack with an Olympic bar and weights treadmill bike so yeah very thankful to to those guys for organizing all that for me to be able to keep on top of um stuff that i can but in terms of the cricket side nothing uh you know i haven't had a bat in six seven weeks since when this lockdown started i've just had some um incredibles and a set of stumps delivered to the house so i can start getting back into bowling i mean it's obviously not going to be anywhere near match pace or anything like that but i just need to get the the body back into you know remembering what it's like to bowl is that a conscious decision or is that just down to practicalities about how you would train i mean look this is not this isn't an ideal situation for anybody and you know some people are obviously a lot worse off than me um you know i'm moaning about not being able to you know do my skills that require me to do my job but basically i'm just trying to give myself the best opportunity for whenever that day comes back that that we can get back out on the field again obviously a lot of people um imagine the life of an international sports star to be a very sort of exciting and glamorous one the reality is obviously that you spend a lot of time in hotel rooms a lot of time in traveling as well have the last few weeks been um quite nice in a way in that you've been able to spend an extended period of time with the family yeah i mean uh, i'm a person who tries to take the positives you know from from most things and obviously a big positive for me personally for this is being able to spend this time at home without having to think about I'm going on tour on this date so I've only got two weeks at home got to try and get all this stuff in with Claire and the kids whereas actually you know this has just been right I'm at home for don't know how long yet but yeah it's just been nice to to spend that time at home with the kids um, and with Claire and you know homeschooling has been a challenge I haven't been doing that to be honest I've been a PE teacher every now and again for like an hour Um, and Claire uh, and my mother-in-law, Jane, are both uh, school teachers. So they've been taking, oh, right. Perfect. Uh, 
you up on that, yeah. Because uh, Claire's mum, she's been living with us um, since um, the news of over 70s was sort of, you know, had to stay at home and we didn't want her staying because she lives in Somerset, which is obviously miles away from where we are. So she's been living with us throughout this lockdown for the last six weeks. So those two have been absolutely brilliant in making sure that the kids' education is, um, you know, still progressing whilst we're staying at home. What are your instincts, Ben, on whether any international cricket's going to be possible this year? I mean, travel-wise, it's going to be tough, isn't it, to get teams to come over? I mean, there's so much speculation and people speaking about what could happen. You know, this is the, the way it should happen. But, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to pay too much attention to all of that because... For me, it's, it was a day-by-day thing, whereas now taking it sort of week-by-week week and just see what's, what's happening. But until we get 100% confirmation about what is going to be happening, then I'm not giving it too much attention. You know, obviously the most important thing right now is, you know, everybody's health and safety. And that needs to be taken into consideration before anything is, you know, decided, if you know what I mean. If there's a way around cricket being played and everyone is, isn't going to be in danger of becoming ill, then great. But, you know, from my point of view, it needs to be crystal clear that uh, that nobody will be affected by the coronavirus if we get back. Yeah, I guess that's important. That will be important for so many players as well, won't it? The, the desire to play cricket will be um, very, very much up there, but also the, the thing in the back of your mind about making sure that by doing that, that's not going to put anyone at risk. Oh, definitely. Um, and I think, you know, everyone involved in, in making these decisions um, understand that. And I think that is their biggest concern is that until that day happens where they have complete clarity that things are under control and we can get back into sport, then that decision won't be made. Because, you know, at the end of the day, it is just a game, it is just sport. Um, people's well-being and welfare is obviously at the top of the agenda for everybody right now. Ben, that's excellent. Thank you very much indeed, mate. Um, good luck with the mar- half marathon tomorrow. Congratulations on the virtual drive. Speak to you soon. No worries. Cheers, guys. Great to chat to Ben. Lastly on the podcast, we wanted to get on one of the most inspirational stories I've heard in a long time. I caught up with ex-rugby pro Ed Jackson to hear about his amazing achievement of climbing the height of Everest on his parents' staircase during lockdown. It would be a huge achievement for anyone, but Ed's a recovering quadriplegic. Ed, welcome to Talking Ball. I've been really looking forward to talking to you because your life um, over the last couple of years has been absolutely extraordinary. And as I say that, I realise I've just written off your entire rugby career. So <laughs> apologies for that. Do you want to yeah. tell us what happened? It was about this time of year, wasn't it? Three years ago. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it was April the 8th, three years ago. Um, I, I, like you said, I'd, I'd been a professional rugby player for 10 years and and I was recovering from a shoulder injury and went home for the weekend back to Bath. I was playing down in Cardiff at the time and I um, went to a family friend's house. We had a swimming pool because it was like the first hot day of the year. Um, just a casual barbecue. went down to the pool. They had sort of a feature pool with a waterfall in one end. And um, I just took my T-shirt off and I couldn't see the bottom of the pool because there, the water was disrupted by the waterfall. But I assumed it was deep water because there's a waterfall in there and a rock face and so I dived in at quite a steep angle and uh, I very quickly hit my head on the bottom of the pool um, so that was a bit of a shock um, and actually it was probably the hardest I'd hit my head for a long time and considering I'd just played I'd played rugby for 10 years you know that was saying something so I thought I'd stand up and make sure I wasn't bleeding in their pool and uh, it was when I tried to stand up that I realized something was um something was wrong because I couldn't move anything from the shoulders down. So what I'd done, the impact was so hard on the top of my head that I dislocated the bottom of my neck, C6 and C7 vertebrae, and the oh. disc in between has exploded and, and cut my spinal cord in half. So I was rendered completely paralyzed, which obviously when you're in water isn't ideal. So I was there staring at the surface thinking, oh, you know, um, I could drown here. Yeah. Um, fortunately, my dad was in the pool and one of my mates was there and they noticed what had happened. So they came over and pulled me to the surface. So obviously, I didn't drown. Otherwise, I wouldn't be speaking to you right now. Um, and they held me on the side of the pool and just and, um, you know, my dad, fortunately, is a retired doctor. He knew there must be something wrong with my head or neck. So he needed to keep me still in the pool. So they floated me there and waited for, waited for the ambulance to come. I didn't really realize how serious the accident was. I mean, I knew I was in a bit of trouble because I obviously couldn't move or feel anything, which is uh, quite an alien experience. And, but I think I was in a bit of shock. But my dad knew, knew how serious it was because he knew there was a possibility that because your nervous system doesn't just control your movement, it, control, it controls everything, your blood pressure, you know, your temperature, everything, heart rate, that my heart could stop at any minute. 
Um, obviously, he wasn't telling anyone that. Uh, but I remember I was in the ambulance on the way to hospital and what I thought was a 10-minute journey felt like a 10-minute journey to me. I was just sort of drifting in and out, not just sort of a bit tired, like, well, we'll be there soon. I was just thinking, like, get me to hospital and let's sort this out. My dad told me a year later, it wasn't until a year later that he sort of plucked up the courage to tell me that journey took two and a half hours because they had to pull over to resuscitate me three times. Wow. So, um, yeah, finding that out put a different sort of spin on how lucky I am to be here at all. I'm very lucky to be here, obviously. I'm very lucky to be hobbling around, you know, um, but, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to even be alive. So, um, yeah, my license then... As you said, the last sort of few years has been a bit of a roller coaster, a bit of a big change from being a professional athlete, I suppose. But it's um, it's not all been bad. It's not been easy. There's a lot of changes in my life that are now quite difficult to deal with. Physical implications, you know, not just movement, but the underlying issues that come along with a spinal cord injury, you know, your bladder and bowel function, things like that. But all in all, I think I realise how lucky I am to have made any sort of recovery. So, you know, just sort of take it as it comes and... And life's moved on in weird and wonderful ways and doors have opened. Some lot of doors have closed, but a lot of doors have opened as well. So I'm just trying to take advantage of those. Yeah, I was going to say that what's, what's amazing to me is not only after the accident did you really fight to regain the movement of your body again, you then took on challenges which perhaps, you know, might have seemed impossible immediately. Yeah, I mean, I'm still surprised at kind of the kind of, you know, I have to pinch myself sometimes at some of the things that I'm doing. I mean, they're then it's now it's now moved on to things that I wouldn't have considered doing before my accident. Um, not saying they're easier now, they're definitely not. But I think in my mind, it's, it's very much a, you know, life's too short, just sort of go for it. And I'm kind of redefining my own limitations in that sense. But the first challenge, like how I got into it was I, when I when I left hospital, I was doing hours and hours of physio every day, you know, and I'm, I'm used to it to a certain extent with being a rugby player. I'd had some long term injuries before. But, you know, you're looking at like, six nine months really bad injuries 12 months max um and that you know that's pushing it um and you've always got a game or or a a season to aim for you know something to get back fit for but with this it was just endless it was uncertain how far i would go or where, where i would end up um and i was doing all these hours of physio every day and i needed something to work towards and that was the main reason that i said on the uh, that I, it was about been about nine months and i was still in a wheelchair I was hobbling around a bit with two sticks, a few hundred meters. I said to my physios that I wanted to set myself a target for the 12 month mark, um, not just for me to work towards, but also for to set an example for all those other people in hospital who'd been given a similar negative prognosis. You know, I was told that I wasn't going to walk again. I was lucky that that turned out to not be the case, but a lot of people are told that and then they believe it. And why, why wouldn't they believe it? You know, because um, that's coming from the foremost medical professional they've heard from. I'm lucky I had other people. Um, I had a network that would get in touch with me and say, no, that's not necessarily the case. They're going to give you worst case scenarios because, you know, they don't want to offer false hope. They don't want to help open themselves up to litigation. I just wanted to do something that, you know, set an example for all my mates in hospital and a lot of whom had given up hope. And just say, right, well, Ed got told that, but then he did this. So I thought the 12-month mark was quite a poignant one. And I thought climbing up a hill was quite poignant because that was the hardest thing for me to do. So I said um, I'd climb Mount Snowdon in Wales. And obviously, yep. it's not it's not massive. You know, it's, it, it's just a giant hill. I mean, I've, been run, I've run up there before when I was a rugby player. Um, and I couldn't go in at the deep end. But to me, it was big because I'd only walked about a mile in one go up to that point. And this was going to be 12-mile round trip. Ended up taking nine hours, um, just the most incredible experience. Loads of people came along to join me, to join me on it, fundraising for the charities um, that had supported me through, through my rehab. And, and then I was hooked, you know, I got to the top. I remember looking out, looking out across North Wales and just thinking, wow, I nearly lost all of this. You know, I'm so lucky to be able to be stood here and taking this view in and be with all these people. And yeah, I put my body through hell, but you know, I quite enjoyed that. I'd missed that for a long time as well because I was, I was immobile for so long that I couldn't even get myself out of breath. And I'm quite a physical person. You know, I've been a sportsman my whole life, and that's how I got my endorphins. So losing that ability, losing that sort of identity, was very difficult to deal with. And all of a sudden, it was back. So then I became hooked on mountains, and and I kind of have been ever since on that. I'm that weird quadriplegic bloke at the top of the hill that gets all the funny looks from the French blokes and the proper mountaineers just thinking, what the hell are you doing up here? But yeah, that's me. 
Well, I mean, the mental side of rehabilitation is really interesting, though, isn't it? And as a former sportsman, you must, like you're saying, you've, you've had major injuries in the past. I know when I've been injured, like sometimes actually getting over the, the mental state is as hard as getting over the physical injury. Do you think your career beforehand helped you mentally get to that point where you're able to, to climb mountains again? Um, I think it definitely helped, you know, it definitely helped to a certain extent with the rehab side of things. It wasn't alien for me to spend hours and hours in a physio room. I think I did realize from the start that, um, I realized from the start that my battle was a mental one, not a physical one. Now I could deal with the physical side of things, but I just had to try and stay positive because when it's, you're so uncertain, you know, you're in intensive care, you can't even, you can't move. It took a week before I could move or feel anything. Obviously you're having some dark thoughts at night when, when your family and friends aren't there. And, and there's so much uncertainty about what, 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 you know, what, the future holds you know is your wife you know can you sustain a relationship is it fair to ask them to stay with you are you going to be a burden on your family like all of these sorts of things it's not just can you play sport or not anymore you know I think I knew from the start that was off the table so if you spend your whole time worrying about those things then you're not doing what you can right then and there to get better and I very quickly realized that I think out of necessity I was spending the whole time worried about what I could have done differently to not dive in that dive in the pool or where I was going to end up in a year's time and actually that was detracting from what I could have done right there and then so I then set, started setting myself small goals you know those incremental gains to try and get big changes and I suppose subconsciously that did come from sport you know you're in the gym every day and, and you're working towards pushing those extra few kilograms or getting that little bit fitter because and over the course of your career you become a better player for it or whatever and I think that's how I ended up having to deal with my injury was breaking it down into can I move my third finger another inch today rather than am I going to be able to walk because I was never going to be able to click my fingers and walk again but I could get those little wins and and that's how I managed to sort of stay positive stay on task and um and keep moving towards some sort of recovery and and yeah you're right I think that probably did come from a sporting background in some respects you're a Wings for Life ambassador, right? What what is Wings for Life, and how does that how does that work with uh, your injury? Yeah, so Wings for Life are of uh, uh, Red Bull's um, spinal cord injury uh, charity, and they fund cutting edge research, research into spinal cord injuries. Um, Red Bull back them, which means that a hundred percent of the money they raise goes straight into spinal cord injury research. So obviously, I've got an invested interest there, not so much personal because a lot of the research they're doing is trying to find a cure for spinal cord injuries now i know a lot of people now with spinal cord injuries naturally living in that world um i didn't before but there's some amazing people out there and a lot of them i can call friends and some of them have complete spinal cord injuries um and there is no scope for recovery for them other than a medical breakthrough and that is what wings for life are looking for um, they do some amazing other research into like early prevent preventative care and, and you know getting the best out of injuries but actually the, the golden chalice is the cure for spinal cord injury and a lot of my mates who are in that position they are holding out for that and, and their bodies are so on the brink you know one of my friends Matt Hampson he's a C1 and you know he's got a permanent ventilator they, they give you less than a year's life expectancy he's been going for 10 years now because he's got that hope he's got that hope that one day there'll be a cure and that's what wings for life are doing and that's what they're looking for and actually we're a lot closer i say we the the scientists but with it you know i look into the research a lot closer than um people think you know i think it will happen um within the next decade so you know those people are have that hope offered to them by the research wings for life of funding and that's keeping them alive that's keeping them going because if they didn't have that if they gave up mentally their body would follow so it's incredibly put important um it's a personal mission and it's an absolute privilege to be an ambassador for them because because of the amazing work they do and to be fair for me personally i think a lot of the research that's going on it wouldn't directly benefit me it might do actually some of the stuff they're doing around bladder research but it's more to do with the people I know and I know how, how much impact that funding is making. So I'm happy to help out where I can. So isolation comes along, coronavirus, and we're all locked up inside our houses. Um, for a man who likes to climb mountains, that's it's going to be problematic. What have you been up to over the last couple of weeks? Because this is extraordinary. <laughs> 
Yeah. So actually, it came about because obviously the world run had to be cancelled in Cambridge in the UK. So that was Wings for Life's flagship event. And that's going to leave a hole in fundraising. Now, they raised millions of pounds from the world run. So I'm never going to be able to do that. You know, I'm not Captain Tom. But I thought I might as well pull my finger out and try and do something myself to, to bridge a bit of that gap in fundraising. I also wanted to raise a bit of money for the NHS as well. So I decided because my thing's climbing, I would turn the stairs into a mountain. And the original plan was to turn it into Mount Snowden. So the first mountain I climbed after a year. That would have taken six or seven hours, I think, maybe a bit less. Um, but the way my brain works, I, I went in going to do Mount Snowden. An hour later, I was climbing Everest on a four-day expedition whilst camping at the bottom of the stairs and that for 12, <laughs> cl- climbing for 12 hours a day. So, I mean, I'm not stupid. Um, I did it on my parents' stairs, so I wrecked that. You know, I wasn't going to do it to my own staircase, but it was... Uh, it's um, the camping seems like an unnecessary step i've got to be honest Ed. well do you know what like i was <laughs> i was just um i wanted to have, have a bit of fun with it i think there's so much bad news around at the moment you know in such a serious time i think we need a bit of humor and, and just a bit of light and so i sort of made it interactive tried to get people involved at home went sort of live on instagram every morning and evening and and just had a real laugh like messing around in the house um like in, in with camping equipment and and pitched a tent in the kitchen which my dad wasn't too happy about and threatened to wear crampons on the final day up their staircase and all of these sorts of things just made it um a bit more entertaining and and just wanted to give people as well as raise money for charity just wanted to give people a bit of a laugh um before the six o'clock news and it all gets depressing again so what, what are the numbers on that how many stairs how many how many flights how many days did this, this challenge take to complete so every 8848 meters so i was going from the equivalent of sea level to the top and back again. So that's, it was 2,783 flights of stairs um, wow. up and then the same again down. So five and a half thousand something. Um, and it, I, I ended up walking for about 45 hours in total on the stairs. That took four days um, and it was over 89,000 steps. So yeah, it was a lot and it was bloody boring. But it was, it was. The same uh, counting must have been hard as well. I mean, yeah, I, I struggled to count in, at the best of times. Yes, yeah, so the boredom and the counting. I didn't try and do it all in my head. Like I actually started off trying to count in tens and had a whiteboard at the bottom of the table where I put a dash on every 10 I went through. I yeah. very quickly was losing count. And then because of my OCD and I didn't want to miss anything, um, I'd just go back to the last m- number I remembered. And then halfway through day one, I recorded an hour's worth of climbing just to see how far out I was and I did 124 reps when I thought I'd done 100 so I was like I can't carry on like this otherwise I'm going to be here all year it's not helping but I managed to solve that by um, taping a clicker to the bottom of the stairs and then I was just recording it on a dash and a whiteboard every 10 10 reps yeah I mean I still missed quite a few but um, I mean yeah there's no way I could count up to 2783 in my head especially when I was so tired so I mean actually this is better than climbing Everest isn't it like you you went higher I covered more distance yeah because I mean I suppose from base camp you go from five and a half thousand meters to the summit and back but it's quite funny I got asked a few times by um, I've been asked a few times in since, since you know does that mean you've got the confidence now to go for the real thing and fortunately i know enough about mountaineering now, i'm not a mountaineer you know i have, I have a, i've been six and a half thousand meters which is pretty high but and it's high enough to know that there is absolutely no comparison between climbing your staircase and climbing mount everest because <laughs> you know although uh, although it was a lot higher in uh, in vertical meters i definitely didn't have to deal with altitude or minus 30 temperatures or lack of food and dehydration um, yeah in fact the stairs ended at my parents fridge so i actually think I, put, I think i actually put on weight whilst i was climbing absolutely perfect i mean you must have you must have got to know those stairs pretty well is there is there a favorite step or is there one that's particularly creaky no i hate them all to be honest now um <laughs> The, the first step is a little bit higher than the rest. So every now and again, it would catch me out. But um, yeah, no, it's, uh, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't fancy going up and down that staircase you know, very much more in my life, to be honest. What was the reaction during the challenge? You had calls, I think, from DC and from Alex Albon, amongst others, didn't you? Yeah, it's, yeah it was amazing. Obviously, um, obviously, Wings for Life being Red Bull's charity. And I, I, met, I actually met them last summer at a fundraiser a clay day um and alex was uh all the four drivers were there the Toros drivers and the red bull drivers and it was actually just before alex switched over um but he was driving our team car um 
and so and I was in his team so we 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 got on really well we had a laugh and and actually there was one point I remember when we took we went the wrong way and he couldn't work out how to reverse and it, we were just all absolutely ripping into him. <laughs> he was like, well, we don't have to reverse in Formula One cars and you forget how young <laughs> these guys are and how, how little time they actually spend on real roads. So I nearly had to take over. He nearly had to let the disabled guy take over from a Formula One driver to reverse the car <laughs> out of a bush. Um, so we kind of stayed in touch ever since then. And, and DC was there um, emceeing the event. Obviously, we all know how good he is at that. And it was very nice for them to get in touch last week. I've always been a big Formula One fan, so pretty surreal um and Alex even climbed a few sets of stairs with me which was which was pretty cool um he's trying to keep fit during his isolation up in Milton Keynes so uh he thought he might as well jump in and and get involved for a few reps it must have been amazing having having an idea to do a daft challenge like that but then seeing it taking on a life of its own and then stars like that getting involved as well and offering their support yeah, it was incredible. I mean, uh, I, I mean, I literally was hoping to raise two grand at the start. You know, I thought that was quite ambitious. Um, we've ended up raising over 50 grand. Um, the people wow. who, I mean, you know, D, like DC and Alex obviously getting in touch. Christian Horner was, you know, giving me good luck messages before I went. Uh, but, you know, whilst I was going, I was doing an Instagram live on the last day and all of a sudden the body coach is like requesting to go live. Next thing you know, I'm talking to Joe Wicks. I was like, what is going on? I was just going to walk up my parents' staircase a few times, but it was so nice. And and it was just having that support, um, even from a distance from, from all the people who were getting involved at home makes such a big difference actually, because I felt it before once when I was going through my accident, um, and people were wishing me luck from a distance and they think that those little messages might just go by the wayside and they're doing them and they're, they're, to- they're sort of token gestures, but they, they make so much difference. Like it doesn't feel like it's just you, back then trying to get better from from a life-changing accident it felt like it was a load of you and you were doing it for them and that was the same on the stairs because they would see me for an hour in the morning in the, in the morning an hour in the evening but there was another seven or eight hours during the day which I was just by myself trudging up and down and I would regularly look at the fundraising total read a few of the messages were coming in and that would spur me on to keep going so it wasn't just the stars coming on even though that is incredible and, and I'll never forget that it was also just everyone who sent messages and and got involved and donated it, it made a big difference because um it was a pretty monotonous task to take on by yourself how's the body recovered from that Are you feeling okay i'm actually doing all right now i've been in the gym a couple of times this week um i was in a bit i was in pieces um for a couple of days um i, I because of my injury i have to climb i did the whole thing with one leg pretty much so i was just doing single leg step ups which which meant that side took a bit of a battering However, I've got no pain sensation left on that side because of the accident, which is actually quite useful. But I could tell it had all seized up. Now, not too bad, to be honest. Just got to keep keep moving. And, and now I'm just waiting to see if any improvements come neurolog- neurologically because these challenges as well, they have another purpose. Um, it's been three years since my accident. And um, since after a spinal cord injury, they say you've got about a year to recover, which I know is not true. Like you keep recovering for years and years and there's a lot of people who are 10 years down the line telling me they're still seeing changes. Um, but it does slow down. And actually the, when I see changes is after I go and shock my neurology a bit and put it through the mill and I've seen it off the back of climbs and hopefully I'll see it off the back of this. My body's starting to feel good again now. There'll be that period of recovery where it's like, leave me alone. Let's just lie down for a week. But now hopefully we'll see some changes, but I have to, uh, have to monitor that over the next week or week or two. What's the um, next challenge going to be as soon as we're allowed at our houses? Um, so actually, the next challenge is another one for Wings for Life. Um, I've now got my own charity as well, the Millimeters to Mountains Foundation. We've just had that confirmed, um, which will be taking disadvantaged people to the mountains. People are in sort of a transition in their life. But wow. I'm still going to be working because, you know, it's helped me physically and mentally so much since my accident and and it's great to go and raise money for the for these people by going to the mountains but I think the real benefit is that is being there doing it so that's why I've started that foundation but obviously I'm going to carry on raising money for Wings for Life and being an ambassador for them because they cover off that space um, that I feel so important in the research so I'm going to walk the Pennine Way which is the longest foot footpath in England 268 miles from the border of Scotland I'm going to walk it north to south and end up in the Peak District uh, just up between Sheffield and Manchester and I'm going to do that over two weeks and I, again we're going to do it like a big mass participation event which the Everest thing turned into obviously from a distance but I'm going to encourage people to come and walk with me or get involved at home and I'm going to be raising money for Wings for Life it's called Walk the Spine 
spine because it's called the spine of England. So it all fits in quite nicely. And uh, yeah, hopefully actually get to put a few names to faces um, that people have been getting in touch and climbing from home over the last week. Hopefully some of them will come and join in and I'll meet them for real. Ed, that's amazing. Thanks for talking to us. Oh, my pleasure. Wow. Pretty powerful stuff there from Ed. What a pleasure to chat to him. That's it from this stay at home special edition of Talking Ball. We finish with an exclusive Red Bull Records tune I think you'll love. This is Came to Ball by Pineapple City. We'll be back soon with more exclusive chat from the team and the world of Red Bull. Until then, take care of yourself. I can't a ball like Pippin. Uh, I can't get my check, I'm dipping. Can't take a who's tripping. Uh, I came in with the drip, you didn't. She know I ball like Pippin. She wanna f with me, cause she know I'm winning. I gotta get my digits. Hey, she wanna fuss and trip. I you think you so bro. I be snapping like a photo. The recorded on a GoPro Thinking I be tripping when that really ain't a low blow Show your mom the film, then I play that slow mo I don't need to go low, welcome to the show bro Burger man ain't got it, well I guess I got a show bro Pull up in a stolo, stain you like a polo Hey, you leaking Rojo, bounce like a pogo Gotta watch for the popo Can act but it really gon' photo And I be if I let the logs get me in the gym Watching hit a fofo Fence hopper, knocker Boo can really keep that business on the low though Why you really tryna act like my bro bro let a n- be by his dolo and be easy. I can't ball like Pippin. Uh, I can't get my check, I'm dipping. Can't take off who's tripping. Uh, I came in with the drip, you didn't. She know I ball like Pippin. She wanna f with me, cause she know I'm winning. I gotta get my digits. Hey, she wanna fuss and trip by With bird like a spy guys. Tell you in sync as bye bye. Uh, my flesh like I'm Popeye. Pop out with the shot tugs like a drive by. Why would I lie? I don't hide from a only ride cause he tryna try and f with the click Be cold like bird cause it came from the six Ain't nothing change on me but the change in the whip Yeah, lit like a f***ing candlestick Smoking on some cannabis, uh, I'm him a b- Too legit to quit, yeah I'm awesome, him a Got so many bars, yeah I'm awesome, slim I feel like I got to my time and channeled it I been off the drink, yeah I get the rambling Bird got the hoe so I told him let him in Or the late night on some date, but let him in Yeah, yeah, I can't ball like Pippin uh, I can't get my check, I'm dipping. Can't take off, who's tripping? But the chain little bigger Got a bad bitch on God like Jigger Ain't paid like Jigger Burger main ain't Why the shorty be trippin' Tryna blame my Twitter Got a little thing with a nice little figure Came for the chat, nothing less say figures If I can't hang with you, it's the damn same But I peeped your girl and I'm tryna skate with her I can't ball like Pippin' uh, I can't get my check, I'm dippin' Can't take off, who's trippin' uh, I came in with the drip, you didn't She know I ball like Pippin' She wanna f*** with me, cause she know I'm winning. I gotta get my digits, ayy she wanna fuss and trip by me. No.